everyone, welcome back to another episode of the State of Play podcast. This is episode 39. Sitting in the hosting chair, I am Matt Santangelo. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Uh, Pet and Martino are occupied, of course, so I'm in the hosting duties for this episode. But we got a very special guest joining me to keep me company. Uh, first time guest. His name is Manuel Veth. I'm sure you've guys seen much of his work on Twitter. Um, he's everywhere. He's uh, me and him have shared a couple uh, publications as well, International Champions Cup. But um, yeah, he's he's on top of everything. So Manuel. Welcome to the State of Play pod. First off, how are you doing? Um, and again, introduce everyone to what you've been working on so far. Yeah, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm. Um, we did work together at the International Champions Cup quite a bit, didn't we? And um, mm-hmm. you know, really enjoyed a lot of the the articles that we did on there. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I joined Transfermarkt in January, and um, I'm overseeing their uh, North America expansion. So um, Transfermarkt USA and Canada is um, where I'm working on the most. But, you know, um, obviously the Bundesliga is a league that we also pay a lot of attention to because as part of the U.S. expansion, we have, I think the Bundesliga is the league with the most North Americans of um, all the major leagues in Europe. So it's a big part of our coverage. Um, So that's basically my my full-time job now, Um, trying to get Transfermarkt established in the English-speaking world. Um, and you know, sort of cover the, the, the transfer businesses of major football clubs. Um, keep an eye on the Bundesliga developments. So yeah, that's me uh, in a nutshell, pretty much. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, I've, I've been following your your I you know that transition towards transfer market. And of course, I'm, I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this right now knows what transfer market is and kind of they're the central hub, um, if you will, for just. You know, whether it be stats, whether it be you know, it kind of gauging where, where, where players' values are headed, where they're, they're dropping, so on and so forth. So, yeah, mm. um, obviously transfer market's a huge part of the way we consume football statistics and just in the game in general. So, um, you know, keep, keep up the good work with that. But, you know, let, let's get started on um, some Bundesliga stuff. I know that's, part, that's kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes and the big mm. reason why we got you on here for this episode. Um, of course, Bundesliga, they are uh, after Liga 1, who announced their, their, their season's over with PSG as champions. Bundesliga is uh, going to be the first major league in the top five leagues to restart uh, with the news that broke this past week. So, uh, Manuel, give me your, I guess, give me your general thoughts on it because I know there's a lot of people, and of course we can tie it to what's happened with Cologne and some of the cases that they've uh, been struck with with COVID-19. But, and there's obviously a lot of concerns and the pushback that's been going around um, Europe as well with restarting some of these leagues. So I guess give me your general thoughts on the league restarting um, I, I maybe as soon as it is, because I think there's most people are, were anticipating in early June, but of course they're going mid-May. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> restart is May uh, 16th, right? With the, with the Revier Derby. So we're going straight in with, with one of the biggest matches in Europe. Um, I... Obviously, I'm happy that there will be football on television. I think a lot of people are. And I think when you, when you look through the boards, um, most football fans are um, excited to have something like that coming back. Um, the DFL worked on a very thorough concept to ensure that the highest hygiene levels are met. Um, they worked on a concept that, on paper at least, uh, should give us should give us the possibility to at least finish the season, right? 
play match day 26 to 34 and um, get a champion crowned and get, get teams relegated and promoted and, um, you know, give some clarity on how the league um, will look like going into next year, whenever next year will start. My personal feelings, I mean, I think that on the one hand, I understand, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, football is my job. Um, it's, it's my profession. And um, like for many other people, it's literally my livelihood. And to have it come back is, is a positive signal in what is very difficult economic times. And it's a great unifier for people. I think sport is a common thing that, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, whatever, whatever occupation you're in, I think sports is the ultimate unifier for people to enjoy, especially in Europe, I think, more yeah. than, than any other region. But there is a big but, right? I mean, uh, Korea has come back this weekend and the Bundesliga is coming back. And yes, those Korea and Germany are two regions in the world that have handled this virus a lot better than anyone else. That is the bottom line. The Germany is not the United Kingdom. It is not the United States. Um, it has gotten a handle of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, if this doesn't work, you know, if you see we play to find out there's cases, etc., then we won't see sport for a very, very, very long time. And I think that is something that we have to realize. Uh, that's what everyone has to realize. They have to try it because we have to get the economy somehow back online and live with the reality of this virus. But if this doesn't work, and I think this is where the fear factor comes in, right? Right. Um, we won't be seeing sport for a very long time. 100% agree with you. And I think that's kind of, the, it's, you know, it's one of those things too, where it's, yes, we all want it back, but uh, it's, it all it takes is one case, right? Because that's essentially what it started with. It started with one person having the virus and spreading it. And then it just becomes, you know, this whole pandemic that we see now. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think the one thing that the opening matches of the Bundesliga, um, right, because again, it is the first big, big major league in the Europe's top five to, to restart. There's going to be a lot of attention on it and how to handle it and how things are done behind the scenes. Right. And I think in this social media era, there's, going to be cases where maybe they see people there's photos there's videos shared from behind the scenes of how things are handled right it's it's Mm. i find it interesting the reason why i find this so so fascinating is the developments of it and kind of what goes into getting this back is even that game again with liverpool this is the champions league but liverpool where where jurgen klopp was coming out and people were trying to shake his hand and he was caught on video saying like no 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 what are you doing like those everything is so magnified now and i think that's what we're really going to start to see with the Bundesliga first, but also with some of these other leagues as they come back, right? Is how are they handling, you know, the, the balls, you know, if the ball goes into the stands or if something like that, or if it's not being cleaned or all the proper, the proper protocol that, that's needed to keep this safe and, um, you know, and have everyone stay healthy and avoid any sort of, uh, you know, blowback and, and pushback here. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very fascinating to watch how the opening you know, rounds and matches of the Bundesliga um, take care of everything. I'm assuming they'll do a great job. Uh, again, to your point, Germany's been um, really on top of this whole COVID-19 more than most countries in most areas. So uh, it's just definitely something to keep an eye on, regardless of whether or not you're uh, a German football fan or just uh, someone who's trying to see how it is in other countries. But um, let's, let's get right into, I guess, um, some more uh, hard-hitting topics, some, some things that are kind of related to the transfer market, which of course that's, that's kind of what your bread and butter is, um, Manuel. Um, the futures of certain players. Now we know the transfer market's going to have, 
COVID-19 is going to have an effect on the transfer market in terms of um, you know, maybe transfer fees, how deals are done and conducted, um, how payments maybe are made. I spoke on the previous episode uh, with my two co-hosts, um, how, you know, maybe it's one of those things where there's deferred payments. And I'm not going to get too much into that um, on certain transfer fees. But mm. um, let's start off with, I guess, Timo Werner, because I think most mm. assume that he's gone this summer. I think there's, I saw something that you tweeted that maybe you think there's a possibility he could stay um, and some other players, um, excuse me, some of the people think that that's also a possibility as well, given the fact that Leipzig are again, a great project. They're a title contender this year, which has been um, something that's very interesting to watch. And we'll, we'll talk about later in this episode, but I guess talk to me a little bit about Timo Werner's future, where you see him. Um, I know links to Liverpool, but um, what what do you make of of his of his next step, and ultimately, where do you think he's going to be playing next year? Oh wow, that's that's a big one to begin with, hey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I got bored too, so but I think it's our team. <laughs> yeah, uh, Timo Werner. Yeah, that's it's been such a big topic, and um, look, what here is what we do know, and in in the fall there was contact between. Karl-Heinz Förster and Timo Werner, Karl-Heinz Förster, Timo Werner's agent and uh, Liverpool. Um, that is where we stand. I think that Timo Werner very much would like to make the next step in his career. And, and I think that the way Bayern Munich handled his transfer last year, which, uh, you know, was the, one of the poorest contacts that club had, has, has ever done in any terms of transfers, that you know, have pretty much agreed on a deal. Um, everyone thought that transfer would happen and then Bayern Munich walked away from it at the very last moment and um, had since had a coaching change from Nico Kovac to Hansi Flick. And Hansi Flick is a huge Timo Werner fan and would like to sign him over Leroy Sané um, 100%. But, you know, that deal might be off the table because of the way it was handled last year. The, um, then before this whole COVID-19 thing hit in March seems like a lifetime ago but it's really only been two months the general understanding was that you know there was a very strong flirt between Liverpool and Timo Werner and anything that you read and anything that you see now and you know all these speculations we really really have to go back to that moment in March because that's where we stand and at that point Leipzig did not receive an offer um, and I know have this directly from the club um, there has been all sorts of speculations on when Timo Werner is trying to, like, the release clause has to be triggered. Apparently, it's June 15th. Before that, it was April 15th. There has been the latest speculations have been in Italian media that his release clause could be lower. That's absolute nonsense. It's not. And um, I think that in the end of the day, the transfer window or transfer business is going to look very, very different this summer than it did last summer. Clubs have to be very, very careful about how much money they're going to spend um, on a single player. And, you know, Liverpool is a multi-sports organization. The, 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 the people that own Liverpool own other sports clubs and sports is in, is in a dire situation at the moment, financially. Um, Red Bull, in the meantime, is a multi, multi-billion corporation that does a lot of other things, <laughs> primarily right, seven... Yeah. People forget this, but primarily they sell cans of a really disgusting drink that people love around the world, right? Uh, that's their main business. So they they probably hit less than, um, you know, Fenway Group. 
um, does that mean a transfer is off? No, not necessarily. It's just that we don't know. We really don't. We don't even know when the next transfer window is. <laughs> that, that's that's the other True. thing, right? We all think it's going to start on June thirtieth, but that's actually not even determined at the moment. And I think that uh, Timo Werner would very much like to go to Liverpool, and I think that is that is pretty much a given. You can see that in his comments, and you can, you know, we all we all know that that's the case. Um, but we don't know what the reality is on the transfer market. And I always say, like, look. We, all, we know that there is talk. We know that there's a conversation. We know that the player is interested in the club and we know the club wants the player. But until he holds up that shirt at the press conference, so many things can go wrong. We all knew, we all knew and thought that he would go to Bayern last summer. And, you know, that paper was already signed. <laughs> and it yeah. still did not happen, right? Um, and that is, I think, that is something that a lot of people have to keep in mind. It doesn't help if you... every. I get I get Twitter messages. I, I tweet about something completely different, and someone says like, "Do you have any Timo Werner news?" I'm like, "No, I don't. This is literally the latest." <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, think, yeah. you know that transfer market byline too is that they're probably like, uh, I mean, they see everything else you've accomplished and who you write for, and they're probably like, I see that all the time too. And I see I always find that funny with with other journalists too. Like it could be, um, you know, Fabrizio Romano. He's again a huge transfer market guru himself, and and he would be, you know, people will he'll talk about like a renewal for a player. Like you know, like a Chelsea player or Juventus yeah. player, and then someone out of out of left field will call him and say, "Hey, like, what about like you know Kai Havertz, for instance, for instance, right?" So like they'll just kind of yeah. completely like want to try and see if they can kind of catch him sleeping and kind of catch him off guard and see if he has anything. But it, you know, to your point, Manuel, it's 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 one of those things too where we don't really know when the market's going to be open, right? I mean, it, realistically, mm. I mean, it, is it August? Is it a maybe? I, I can't tell. Maybe it's they mesh the August and January windows into one big window. Who really knows? Who really knows when, you know, if all these leagues are even going to be able to finish, right? So there's so much yeah. uncertainty with the play itself on field, let alone the market and the business being conducted there. So, um, I mean, I, I do have a couple of the players that I'm sure many others listening would have loved to know more about or hear about the futures. Mm-hmm. But I guess you could kind of maybe give me just sort of more of a general um, vibe on, on what, what, where things stand with their futures maybe. And I guess we can kind of proceed from there. So um, Havertz being one, obviously he's a, he's a hot commodity around Germany, but also uh, yeah. wider Europe. Uh, Lee Rossane at Manchester City. Um, I know he's very talented. He's very highly rated. I know he's been coming back from an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems like he could be possibly on the move. And Coutinho with that big, huge clause, that big, huge option, excuse me, that Byron just probably won't yeah. pick up if I had to put money on it. So um, I guess give me the general feeling around those three right now, because I know there's in different situations, but I think there's still three of the bigger uh, you know, players kind of mm-hmm. in that discussion for, for moves, whether it be uh, to Germany or away from Germany. Yeah, it's, it's maybe just a start when the window will open, because I think we'll know in the next few weeks, um, whether we can finish seasons or not. And if we can finish seasons, then I think the transfer window will open at some point in August because Champions League, um, the UEFA plans to play the Champions League in August, right? Um, the finals. And I think yeah. they will probably then allow teams to to move players after that. So I think we will have a transfer window in August to September. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the future of these players, I mean, Kai Havertz, uh, we did a general transfer market update that um, impacted all the players in our database. And our database is huge. We have literally every player, right? Um, and we cut down the market value of um, every player born 2001 and later 
um, by 10% and everyone before born before that by 20%. Now, Kai Havertz was one of those players hit, right? His market value went from 90 to 81 million euros. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, this was a general cut because we mm-hmm. basically said, okay, let's give everyone a general cut and then we're going to reevaluate the market values of every single player in the database going forward, right? So some players will go back up, some players will go back down. With Kai Havertz, this is a great example because Kai Havertz um, is a player that everyone in the world right now wants to sign, right? I mean, if you buy in Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, Juventus, half the Premier League, they probably all would love to have him. The reality is maybe there's like three or four teams that can afford him. Um, Bayern, Juventus, um, maybe Real, Liverpool. That's probably it. Um, I can't think of many other teams that, that could actually fit both the financial criteria and also the sporting success. Um, the, 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 that, that number is very small, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Bayer Leverkusen are very aware that they have him under a long-term contract. And I think they're very aware that this summer they will not get the, the number that they had envisioned mm-hmm. that they would get for him. And that number is between 100 and 150 million euros. And if you think, if you're some Manchester United fan and you think you're going to get a player on the cheap, uh, no, that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> you know, because like, we have that example of Jaden Sancho and uh, like there's this number that's been floating around. Manchester United think they can sign him for 100 million euros. I mean, I had to laugh out loud in front of the computer when I saw that number. That's an absolute joke. That's just simply not going to happen. Why would a club sell an asset that they don't have to sell this summer below market value in, 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 in the market, the way the market is right now. That is just not realistic. You know, you don't sell your stocks at the lowest point. <laughs> right. That's just, that's just not how economy works. No. So Kai Havertz is a great example of that. Bayer Leverkusen might very well say like, look, okay, we had this plan to sell you this summer. Um, look at the reality. It's COVID-19. Um, look where you are in Germany, you're in Leverkusen, you're probably in the safest place in the world when it comes to, to this virus. You can play another year here. You can, you can try to make the German national team for Euro 2020 that will be played in 2021. And um, then we, next summer, maybe the storm has blown over. We have some miracle saving drug that allows people back into the stands. The economy will be revived and we can actually sell you for what um, we had envisioned. And I think a lot of clubs are going to do that. And um, yeah. when you look at Kai Havertz, it wouldn't surprise me if Leverkusen say, okay, no, uh, we're not going to sell you um, this summer. Uh, Leroy Sané, is, that's, that's, that's a transfer saga in itself. I mean, that deal was done last summer and then he tore his ACL because Pep Guardiola tried to make a point, right? Um, saying that he is going to play the players in his squad and... I guess no one really thought, thought that anything could happen in a, in a glorified friendly match like the Community Shield and then he tore his ACL. I mean, probably one of the dumbest mistakes that's, that Guardiola has made in his City career because when you look at the financial fair play, um, the financial fair play ruling and the, the fact that they actually need to generate money, um, that transfer could have been in the region of 120, 130, 140 million euros last year. And now Bayern Munich have offered forty million for this year. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be strong. A lot of a team like exactly. I I, I was thinking the same thing. A team like that, knowing because it's it's all public information, right? It's like well, we know you need yeah. to sell. We know the market right now. We know how yeah. the business is going to be changing with COVID nineteen. 
And now it's one of those things where you're going to be, have to be forced to sell at a cut rate price and you're going to be strong armed. It's just, it's just the reality is that the city don't have the leverage to say, well, we're going to keep saying he hasn't played as much. The injury there, you know, obviously knows that it, he, he, the deal was, was done for him to go to Bayern Munich. And yeah. that's a perfect prime example for Bayern Munich, right? Because, you know, they, 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 that's such a shrewd deal too, if you really think about it, because on their end, they've, they've, they've been masters of, of getting, you know, doing shrewd business. I mean, Lewandowski, arguably the best striker in Europe, um, maybe not at the time of his move to Bayern Munich, but from Borussia Dortmund to take him from a rival for free. Like yeah. it's, they just been, their, their movement on the market has just, just been sensational. And I think that's why they've been able to be so successful for such a long time. But yeah, I couldn't agree more on the Sané situation. Um, and, and again, assuming Sané um, goes to Bayern Munich, which most people would mm-hmm. agree that it's probably going to happen or it's leaning that way. Um, it all but rules out Coutinho. And I think, you know, Coutinho's had his moments yeah. at Bayern Munich. I think uh, this is his situation. I think is more of a uh, result of, um, Barcelona's probably mistake looking back at this and how much they spent on Coutinho. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I think he's very talented. We saw what he was able to accomplish at Liverpool. But I think he's a very specific player who needs a very specific role. And I don't think many players are worth you know, upwards of 100, 125 million. So I think it's safe to assume that Coutinho is going to be on his probably his way out from Bayern Munich because they're not going to pick up that big option. Um, is maybe the Premier League a fit? Do you, do you think he, uh, maybe because I, I heard Newcastle, Newcastle have a lot of uh, um, you know rumors yeah. going around with that them that they're going to be spending quite a bit with the new ownership. Um, did you see Coutinho kind of being kind of the uh, the odd man out here? I feel for Coutinho um, in a similar fashion that I feel for James Rodriguez, right? Because they are very specific players, and they are the players that we paid money for to go into the stadium and watch. I mean. Playmakers. Um, yeah. I, I, I cover a lot of Bayern games on location at the Allianz Arena. And, um, you know, he's a, Coutinho is a joy to watch, but he's very difficult to fit into a system. And the same was, same was the case of James Rodriguez and another very wonderful player to watch. Um, both of them, not saying they're the same player, but both of them remind me a little bit of Riquelme, right? Mm-hmm. Who was um, a fantastic player in Argentina and then came over to to Spain and, but never really fulfilled that moniker of becoming this like superstar like Maradona. But we all knew he was a wonderful player, but it's very difficult to fit them into a system because like that role, that classical number 10 role that for example, Hummus plays, excuse me, that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, Or does only exist at very few clubs. And with Coutinho, you almost feel the same way that like his role to fit him into a team is, is very difficult. Klopp has done, did it at Liverpool, right? Very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be very difficult for him to find a team that suits him. And um, I think a lot of people want to watch and pay and watch Coutinho. But it's almost like a one-man show at times. And that makes it very difficult. Uh, you, look, you look at what Hansi Flick has done with this Bayern team and turn them back into the machine that we all know. I think that if the Champions League had progressed in normal fashion, Bayern Munich would have been the favorites to win it, right? In, the, in their form and the way they've been playing. It's really quite remarkable what Flick has done to this team in such a short time. And Coutinho was a very bad fit for that. And um, yet Flick is one of the first people to say what a wonderful player he is. It's, uh, it makes it very difficult to then see, okay, where, where is he going to fit? Um, my fear is that 
someone like Newcastle now comes along, you know, uh, um, fueled by lots and lots and lots of illicit money and just buys this dream team and has no actual plan on how to use those players, sort of like Manchester City in the beginning. And uh, he will play there for a few years and his career will kind of fizzle out. I mean, with James Rodriguez, we're now talking that he's going to Major League Soccer. Um, I hope that doesn't happen with Coutinho, but it's incredible how they go from this peak where they're like just sought after and then they play in that perfect system that fits for them and then they make that next step and it just doesn't work that way. Um, and that's that's mad why I'm a such a huge fan of players maybe staying where they are. <laughs> because if Coutinho had just stayed at Liverpool, I think it would have been such a better career move for him. No, I mean, that's, you could certainly make that case because p- prior to his move, the, you know, the, the performances he had that led to his move to Barcelona. Um, and of course, the, the, the crazy thing is the trickle-down effect of that move, right? Because obviously Coutinho going to Barcelona for such big money, obviously what Liverpool had been, have been able to recoup and reinvest with that money and the success they've had on the market to be this you know, juggernaut team that they are now. It's, it's, it's really fascinating to see the kind of the, the, the fallout effect or the, uh, the, 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 the kind of the carryover effect, if you will, from certain transfers like this. But yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things too, we're in such a era or time of football where everyone's so quick to, like Holland, for instance, and I, I wanted to get something quickly on him, you know, not a transfer thing by any means, but just in general, like what you think his, 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 uh, his ceiling is, what his potential is for us from the, you know, the little we've seen with him in uh, Aparusha Dortmund. But sometimes it's making the move is not always the right thing. I understand people have those personal challenges that they want to go play somewhere else and they want to experience, you know, different things. Mm. And we all understand that, but sometimes you go there and then these players are wanting just going back in like a year or like I get back in six months. Like I, I for me, I think it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Obviously we don't know everything that happens and how can transfers are completely conducted and whatever kind of plays into the mind of a transfer when you're from the player standpoint um, and even the agent, but yeah, I, I think it's 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 we're in the kind of that time where everyone says it's a good, players young. He's very good. He's playing at a kind of a smaller ish club. Um, he should make the move like now, like I because mm. on one end you're thinking, well, what if he gets injured tomorrow and he can never make that move? But then on the other end you're saying, yeah, but what if he goes to that team and because that team is so stacked? Of course, we've seen this many times with like a team like Real Madrid, right? They get a player, he sits on the bench, and then he wants to move because he's not playing. Well, what did you expect? You had a lot of competition. It it just happens when you join a bigger club, and you know you know, got with guys like Havertz being one of them. You know, even you know Coutinho. Sometimes it's 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 okay to make the move. It will be there. I think if you continue to prove yourself, you continue to dedicate yourself in training and to your performances, the move will be there. And I think that's ultimately sometimes it's difficult for players and 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 fans who who want to see these players make big moves for them to grasp. But um, Holland. From what you've seen from him at Borussia Dortmund, because this kid has been taking over world football, right? I think in the blink of an eye from going from uh, a very little known player. Um, so obviously, people who watch him could probably see something different than, than the casual fan who maybe just watches the Champions League and, you know, kind of focuses on certain matches, right? But from his group stage to his move to Borussia Dortmund with all the interest around his move, um, you know, and all the teams that really wanted him to the success he's had in such little time at Borussia Dortmund. I mean, is he someone that Borussia Dortmund fans can realistically expect to keep for a couple seasons? Or do you think he's just going to be one of those guys that kind of just quickly makes that climb up and just goes for that big money move? Well, uh, my worry is that he is going to make the 
climb very quickly and then make the big money. He's got that confidence too. He's got that kind of yeah. like ego about him, which is, yeah. it's, 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 it's a great thing to have for a striker. And I think you have it as a striker and most successful players have that sort of like selfishness, arrogance, but it's like a confident, confident arrogance to him. He has, and you could see him clearly. He has that, but um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just continue. I, I, I want to get your opinion on it. <laughs> it's a little bit like Slatan, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you just know that, you know, he's going to, He's going to shoot out the lights at Borussia Dortmund. And, um, which is too bad because Borussia Dortmund, I think, when it comes to stages in world football, I'm one of the biggest. Um, yeah. Anyone who's ever been to Signal Iduna Park and watched a game there. And um, I had the pleasure of, of covering a few games there. And um, boy, I mean, and you see it when he walks onto into that stadium, uh, his face just lights up, right? It's just it's a it's a different world. There there is no comparison uh, in world football when it comes to that stadium. Um, it's second to none in terms of atmosphere. It's second to none in terms of the the fans, the crowds, um, the way that people in Dortmund lift that club. Um, it's incredible. And uh, in any other league in the world, Borussia Dortmund would be the big team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, they're, they're just very unfortunate that one of the three best clubs in the world also happened to be in that team, in that league, right? And uh, <laughs> that's just not uh, not fair. Um, playing in a league with Bayern is just not fair. It's um, and I think the the reality is that. For Borussia Dortmund, the, the step up is just one of the top three. And that, I assume it's not going to be Bayern. Um, that means Real Madrid or Barcelona. And I think that is very much where I think he, he would be going next um, in a few years. Now, of course, that also means that those two, two clubs have to be ready to take him financially. They have to be ready to be uh, in a sporting position to offer him something that he can't have right now. And um, that makes it very tricky because I actually personally think that the Bundesliga is going to be the league that comes out the healthiest out of this whole mess because unlike other leagues, they're not dependent on financial benefactors and they have, because of the licensing agreements, they cannot spend uh, to the ceiling when it comes to player salaries. Um, yes, the Bundesliga had a few clubs that could have gone bankrupt if they hadn't continued. But at the same time, their financial situation was still better than anywhere else. Um, you know, they're just more transparent about it because they have to be because they community-owned clubs. And I think that is something that we have to keep in mind when we get emerged from COVID-19 is it is probably going to be the healthiest league in Europe. And players will know that. Um, this is something that, you know, you always see with maybe Timo Werner pondering a move now because what if the league is the best in the world when it comes, when this ends? What if the... You know, when you look at the the way the infrastructure is in Germany, we don't know what the reality is going to be coming out of COVID-19. And you might very well be in the best place in the world to live and exist <laughs> in this new reality. So um, I think that is something that we have to keep in mind. And that, that could be the big X factor going into this. But I mean, before COVID-19, I would have said Haaland will play two or three years in Dortmund and then he'll go to probably Real Madrid or Barcelona or someone like that. And you know, um, become one of the become one of the best or the world's best strikers because, I mean, it's not fair the way he plays. I haven't seen a, a striker play like he has. He's playing since Ronaldo, and I don't mean Cristiano. I mean the original. 
you know, that the fact that he is both strong, physically strong on the ground and in the air and his pace is um, incredible. I mean, those kids that haven't seen Ronaldo play live for the likes of Barcelona or Inter Milan, uh, go back and watch those videos because um, he was a bully with the ball and um, he would literally walk through defensive lines and Erling Haaland has that same skill. And I think that if he stays injury-free, which Ronaldo obviously did not, um, and maybe why we don't remember him as well as we should, then I think he is very much on track of becoming the best striker in the world. Well, that's 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 fascinating too because I think you know I, I agree with you or everything on you said about Holland and kind of his overall skill set, right? I think he's checking off all those boxes, and I think you know it's it's one of those things in in, in the modern game here. It's it's more than goals, right? It's okay. Well, can you yeah. you assist in the build up? Can you do some sort of technical things in your in, in that that are required of you in throughout an entire match to ultimately you know pitching for the for the collective effort which is to get a, to get a victory and i think you, know, you look at the holland in a short time i think people are quickly seeing that he's kind of looks like a player made in a lab right you know like a cyborg if you will because it's like when you have all those hypothetical questions that people ask where you go well whose pace would you want whose scoring ability would you want and you kind of like mesh them all together you put them all together and you're like it spits out holland right you know the speed the strength size to last in those more physical leagues if he did choose to go to like say a premier league or um you know but he does have the speed you know the, that gallivanting run he has those, those long strides like a gazelle and some of the goals he scored in the champions league that that missile was was sensational i think the fact that you can quickly do that at a young age shows that you also have the mental strength and the wherewithal to adapt to the pressure Right, because I think it's easy for a player to perform at a smaller club, and then when he gets to the big club with the big money and the wages he's sitting on, to perform and to meet the expectations. And he looks around and he plays at at at, at Borussia Dortmund like, okay, I've been here before. This is nothing new to me. This doesn't phase me one bit. Whether it be a regular game, a cup match, or a Champions League, you know, uh, knockout game, right? So I think ultimately he's, he's got a really, really bright future. And I think Borussia Dortmund's fans just got to hold on to him as tight as they possibly can before, again, the, they, what we expected the inevitable, be, inevitable being in a big move coming down the line. But uh, let, let's, let's move towards, I guess, less transfer stuff and less about projecting the future. I want to talk about some of the, the breakout stars of the 2019-2020 uh, Bundesliga season. I know it's not finished yet. There's some things that can obviously change. Players can come out of nowhere and merge. Who have you? That's not mainstream, obviously. I know you know there's certain players that you know, we all know and you know, big time prospects that coming into the season everyone was keeping their eye on. But who have you been watching that you're saying, "Wow, this kid really shown me something this year," and I think that others should uh, keep an eye out, you know, moving down the line. Well, it's it's very hard not to pick Fonzie. <laughs> you know. Um, Alfonso Davies, um, I, I have a soft spot for him because um, I covered the game, his first professional game in Vancouver, and yes. uh, yeah. it's it's. I think we those who seen him from playing from a young age in Vancouver, and then ultimately taking MLS by storm at an incredible sixteen, seventeen year old, right? Um, always knew that he has what it takes to play at a big club like Bayern. But um, to then break into the side and play a role that is not technically that well suited for him and just basically reinvented to make it fit for, for his playing style 
is not something that you hear very often at the top three club. And um, he has been incredibly good this year. And I think we all, he, he has cemented that place and is going to be, in the long run, one of the best players in the world. Um, you know, we're going to list him among this, this absolute superstars just because um, we haven't seen something like him before. Um, which is, I think, very exciting for, for, for Canada and Canadian soccer because I think that the country desperately needed a star like him. So that's a player, it's hard to not look at him and then say, okay, well, this, this is really a player that, you know, absolutely incredible. Um, I would keep my eye also on uh, Gio Reyna, um, you know, the young American. Yeah. Remember the hype that we had with Pulisic? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, get, be ready because this kid is way better. <laughs> and he's also got a namesake, right? It's, it's, it's always fascinating, too, to see the kind yeah. of a namesake and how to see, like, if the son can be as good as the father or be better oh, than the be father. Better. and. I think a lot of people right now seeing early on Rainey will probably think that eh, maybe he can be better than his father. But yeah, what what are your thoughts on Rainey's, I guess, the the little we've seen so far, I know he's been featuring a lot more and he's even got the Champions League experience under his belt. But season one, what have you you noticed? I think he is, um, again, I mean, he comes into the squad and he just performed and... It's very difficult for a 17-year-old to just get thrown into a team like this one. Um, I, I think he is very, very fortunate that you have players like Erling Haaland and Jaden Sancho around you who are also very young and just want to play football, right? They just want to play ball. And I think that is, that is, that's helped him a lot. But he also has that confidence to play like a grown-up. And... It was really interesting. Last August, I was um, part of the DFL visit at the um, Super Cup in Dortmund. And we, we toured the facilities of Borussia Dortmund. And we got a behind-the-scenes look into the youth academy. And we got to speak to some people there. And they were like, we were so incredibly happy that we got Gio Reyna. And this was before he even played in the, in the first team, right? Um, because this kid is going to be one of the best players in the world. And... <laughs> That's what we're looking at. We're, we're again, we're like another player with, with no ceiling, right? And uh, as a 17-year-old who comes just into this league and to play the way he does, uh, I think he's going to have a long career and at Borussia Dortmund, probably a little longer than, than Pulisic um, because I think Dortmund were quite ready and willing to move on from Pulisic because they said, like, okay, this is, this is the ceiling. Uh, that last season, he didn't even feature that much anymore because, look, we have probably the brightest prospect that the U.S. ever has produced in Christian Pulisic, but unfortunately his development stalled. And when Chelsea came in with the money, they just ended up taking the money because they knew like, okay, this is the maximum we're ever going to get. I don't see that sort of ceiling with Gio Reyna. Um, I think his development level is a lot higher because he's a more multidimensional player. Um, We don't even know yet what his best position is. And he's still good at every position that they're playing him at. And that is that that is for me an indication that you can um, that you that there's a there's a lot of use for him. Um, and that is you know the best players in midfield are always the ones that you can play in multiple roles. So I, I think people should really um, keep an eye out on him. Uh, another player that I think that a lot of people sort of maybe have kind of 
taking notice of, but not really, is uh, Konrad Leimer from Leipzig. <laughs> Okay. You know, like um, it, it, he gets kind of lost in the. Sh- it's like it's like it's like a Borussia yeah. Dortmund. Some of these clubs, like you look down their, sh- their their team sheet, and you're like, I forgot this guy played for me. Like Leon Bailey was another one. I know it was a hot name a couple years yeah, ago, yeah. and I'm looking at like Bayer Leverkusen, and you look at like the the names that they have, and you forget that some of these other talents exist on their team, and they're very yeah. talented. And the league is full of them, right? I yeah. mean, it's like uh, top to bottom, probably the most talented league in the world at the moment. But Conrad Leimer, when 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 you see, he's one of those players that you does everything so well, you don't really see what he does. It kind of it reminds me of Bastian Schweinsteiger during his prime, um, Austrian midfielder and uh, a real key player for Leipzig and um, what he does, you know, in terms of the transition game, keeping the team together. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk when they sold Navy Cater and they brought in Lima and then Lima played like right back for a while. And then he played like various other roles. And now he's like really coming into, uh, into his full potential. And, um, I think that we're going to see a lot more talk about him, um, about Conrad Lima and the way he plays there and the, 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 what he does on the field, um, is, is something really exciting. Um, if I can think maybe of one more, I would keep an eye on that that young striker at Bayern Munich, Joshua Zirkse. If you come in in three times off the bench and you score every time, uh, he's a tall guy. I mean, I'm I'm pretty tall myself. I'm a meter ninety five, six foot five, and uh, he was just towering next to me when I when I met him in the press <laughs> box uh, at Bayern at the Allianz Arena, and uh, is still so good with his feet and. Um, I think there's a reason why Bayern didn't go in for someone like Erling Haaland because they have one, one like Joshua Sirks in the academy. And I think um, they're going, Flick likes to play young players. And mm-hmm. I think he is going to be someone who, even down the stretch, because the, the rotation is going to be a lot higher because so many match days in a row, right? We're going to see a lot more of him and uh, definitely a player to look out for. Wow. So yeah, I mean, I, I know there are a lot of play, a lot of people have, by now have already, you know, caught on to Lee Davies. I know he's his, his, his sudden rise has been great to watch. Um, you know, I'm sure Canadian fans are, are definitely happy for him. It's the same thing with Jonathan David, who I know has had a really great year in Belgium. Um, yeah. And of course, Gio Reina, it's, it's, we all know that the, the U.S. players tend to really enjoy their time in Bundesliga. It's just, it's becoming a great uh, place for them to kind of get their feet wet. I'm at a young age. Um, and, and really set the tone for the rest of their careers. Uh, of course, we mentioned some of these clubs, Manuel, you know, Borussia Dortmund, Leipzig, Bayern Munich, who do a really great job of molding the talents. And a lot of the talents has been, have been playing huge roles this season. And obviously, you know, they project to be playing a big role going beyond. But I want to talk a little bit about um, the title race, right? Because I think, you know, most people have always said, oh, Bayern Munich are going to run the league or, you know, they'll have, they may face a little competition, but it's Bayern Munich's league to lose. This year feels a little bit different. You look at the table, the way it's structured, the top four, it's really, really tight. And I know there's a lot of debate going on uh, about some of these top leagues and which title races are the best. I know Serie A, as a Serie A guy myself, I know I'll always kind of be lean and have a little bit of bias towards my end, but, um, is, is it clear that the Bundesliga has the, the most exciting title race to watch the rest of the way? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, I mean, especially now because... That it's starting, uh, yeah. Who, yeah. Who knows what sort of results are we going to see? <laughs> I, That's true, yeah. I mean, it's going to be like um, a lottery with balls. I mean, we don't have no idea. Um, 
the, the character of the league was already so complicated and it was already so complicated to predict before COVID-19 and now we're going to play um, three games a week um, behind closed doors with players being more heavily rotated than ever before. I think it's, we're going to see some really funny results. And I think none of the teams are going to be, um, you know, safe from a funny result. Like even Bayern Munich, they might go to a place like Berlin and uh, Union Berlin, that is, and just drop points randomly, right? Uh, so it's going to be, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, <laughs> to be quite honest, because we've never been in a, in a situation like that. I think that maybe in like two or three match days, we'll have a pretty good indication of how things might be going. But yeah, the, the title race has been very exciting. Uh, you, 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 also, you, I mean, you see a four-point gap between Bayern and Dortmund right now, but those two teams are still playing each other, right? Um, Leipzig played a very good game in Munich. Um, I, was, I was at that game, actually, and um, it was so very, very tight, um, where Leipzig could have maybe in the end walked away with three points in the first half. Bayern were the better team. Then you have Gladbach. I know they're six points off now, but again, um, we don't know what results are going to do, right? And um, that makes it very exciting. And you look, even teams like Leverkusen, Schalke and Wolfsburg have been very good at times this year and uh, are going to be able to take points off those bigger teams. So I think it's going to be a very mixed bag and um, I think it's going to be very exciting to see it. Although, of course, um, the league's, league's biggest selling point has always been the fans, right? Football isn't meant to be. And uh, unfortunately, we will not have, have that uh, because of this virus. No, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I could probably, I'm, I, I think you kind of convinced me here as much as I love Serie A. I think look, the, the, you talked about it, you look how stacked that chase is for, for the title. And then you throw in the kind of wild card being COVID-19 and how that's going to affect some of the results and the performances and just ultimately how fit some players are more than others and how some teams are more prepared than others. I think ultimately it could be one of those rare years where maybe it is a wild card team. Maybe it's, maybe it's Bayern Munich are there to be kind of dethroned and, 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 and kicked off their seat. So um, I think it's going to be more, more fascinating to watch. I think if you're a football fan, I think Bundesliga is must, must watch regardless, but this is even more so adding to, uh, adding to the pot. So um Manuel, before you go, right, I, I'm a Milan fan, and it's, I think no surprise everyone who follows me on Twitter knows that, um, and, and kind of the coverage I, I do for them. <sighs> Ralph Rangnick, I know he's a hot topic, he's a hot name, um, I, I'm talking with everybody who in, who's involved with German football, who knows him backwards and forwards. If you can give the listener, I guess, kind of a, a brief um, outline or you know, overview of his kind of, you know, him as a, as, as a football person, personality, football professional, um, and, and ultimately what he can maybe bring to Milan. Of course, there's plenty of rumors here that he's going to take over in a kind of a director, head coach role. Um, give the listener, uh, I guess, your overview, overview and your opinion overall of, of Ralph and, and what maybe Rosanari fans should expect from him if this does uh, materialize. Yeah, it's a big if, isn't it? Because big, he big, said big, in an, uh, he said in an interview, um, I think it was on Friday. We we ran that piece on Transfermarkt um, that you know since COVID nineteen there hasn't been really any talks about this, and the 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 conversations have been at best very loose. 
Um, so, you know, like this whole done deal thing and um, yeah, that he's definitely going to Milan. I, I, I would yeah. call that very premature. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> but, it, it I mean, is. If and, he does and, go... And it's it's and it's one of those things that kind of uh, frustrates me and angers me too because I've seen you know some outlets and some sites just say like well, they'll report from what's coming from the Italian media and I know that's kind of part of their job, but at the same time yeah. it's one of those things where everyone's saying it's a done deal he's going to sign it's all done once the COVID nineteen things yada 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 and I think there's just so uncertainty with regarding football in general that for him to make for Milan and Ralph to make such a commitment at this point in time it's there's nothing done and I think it's going to be much. There's well, much more. He doesn't speak Italian. That's the <laughs> yeah, big thing, right? He, he, has, he has said that he's only going to coach in countries where he speaks the language. Um, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he's, I, been, I, he's been doing Duolingo and uh, Rosetta Stone behind yeah, he, the scenes. No, he's, but... He said in the interview he speaks English and German. Okay, there you go. Uh, I mean, I think he would be interested in maybe taking over the project, but I think he would be very hesitant because of the language barrier. And I think he really loves working at Leipzig because right now um, Ralf Rangnick is a builder. He is someone who takes a project on and then uh, puts everything into it. You know, he did it at Hoffenheim. Um, he did it then at Leipzig with the various Red Bull teams that they, they that are belong to that to that empire where at the very top of which is Al Rasenball Sport Leipzig. Right? I think that. He's put everything into that, um, and he still is. I mean, right now he's the uh, head of sports for Red Bull and oversees all the the um, Red Bull teams. Um, the one that he works on the most right now is the one in Brazil that they just bought, right? Um, and I think that there is he with his attention to detail and wanting to find players and developing them and like build sort of a football empire that is something that very much fulfills him i think too um he is a very 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 good coach tactically he is a genius um the way he's able to identify players and make them work in his system is incredible but i don't actually think he enjoys working as a coach um, I think it's something that he does. He had lasted for Leipzig, right? When they were without a coach for a season and then sort of the bridge the year until Julian Nagelsmann comes in. But I think um, he's also someone who has taken time off with a burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is someone... I don't, don't, don't take this as a negative thing, but I think he's, he's, he's fragile. He's such a perfectionist that um, his work has to work perfectly and he questions every single move that he does. And for someone like that, the, the, the pressure of working in that hot seat on the sideline is a lot to take for, right? And he doesn't see it necessary as something that he wants to do. Um, and I think working in an environment like Milan's is something that he will definitely think about very hard and long before he does it. Um, the director of sports role, sure, because that would take him off the spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. But um, a coaching decision, again, this is a coach who's walked away from the coaching role because of burnout. And um, he did it at Leipzig knowing that there was an end date, right? He knew it was just for a season, then Julian Nagelsmann will take over. So for him, it was a project to like basically ensure that whatever he does in that one year, that the coach coming in will have a perfectly set table. To just sit down on and you know 
um, enjoy the dinner kind of thing. And um, I think that is something that people have to keep in mind when they, when you look at this rumor, like, is he interested? Yes. Will he, does that mean he will sign? No, not at all. Um, again, I, don't say it's a done deal until you see him at that camera at the pre- in front of the camera at the press conference mm-hmm. signing the, the, the piece of paper. Um, it's not done until then. But if they do get him, I mean, one of the brightest minds in world football, absolutely 100%. Um, what he does turns into gold. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that for me, you know, looking at the entire situation, right? Because I think people will think, oh, well, you know, he's not tied to, I mean, he's not, you know, he's, he's not a coach at another club. He doesn't have to ditch them. He doesn't, but there's, uh, it's, it's the Milan job. It's, and to, to do it in two roles, right? If you're, if, if we're playing into the hole that he's going to be, he would be a director slash head coach uh, or manager, however you want to slice the title. That's a lot at any club. Yeah. And then you throw the fact and you're throwing the weight of the pressure of Milan. That you're, hey, you've got to come in and rebuild Milan with all the pressure that they have. Yeah. Then the fact that you, then there's a language barrier. So there's a lot of things, if I'm looking at the move or the whole rumor, if you will, that lead me to believe that it's not going to happen. It's something that I think he's surely sat down and maybe had conversations with Milan Brass about. I'm not saying that hasn't happened because I think most people in this sport, whether it be a player, coach, will sit down and talk with you. They'll have a cup of coffee with you like anybody yeah. would. You know, it's, hey, I'll listen to you. I got 10 minutes. I'll listen to you. doesn't mean anything, you know. And I think that's kind of where, in my opinion, things are at. I know some people may not want to hear that listening if you're a Milan fan because I think they're so uh, desperate for that savior, that that guiding presence to come in here and just kind of rebuild uh, a fallen giant. I just think it's one of those things where Milan fans shouldn't get their hopes up. I know he would be a great fit for them in terms of the tactical side, his knowledge, his brain itself. But I just think that um, – given the uncertainty with football in general, then you throw in the fact that most of the little, the little elements that would maybe you would look at him and say, eh, maybe he doesn't want to take this on right now. Maybe this is too much food on his plate. You know, getting back to your, 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 your dinner table <laughs> reference there, it, it may not be the right timing. And, you know, maybe it's a year down the line. Maybe it's two years. Who knows? But, um, I, Manuel, I, th- I think that's it. I think we've covered everything that I can think of. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have you on for this episode, episode 39, of course. Uh, before we get to send off here, where can people find you and, and I guess tell everyone what you're working on? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter um, at Manuel Veth, so M-A-N-U-E-L-V-E-T-H. Um, yeah, I, I work for Transfermarkt. Um, I do the occasional, you know, um, opinion piece for Forbes um, as a Transfermarkt specialist. Um, but yeah, I work for Transfermarkt and you can find um, all pretty much all my work now at uh, transfermarkt.us. I do everything there from the content to all the other things that you see on the page, sort of like the, the strategic development of the page. Uh, we have a ton of interesting projects coming. Um, I can't tell you too much about it because, you know, they're all in development, but we have a ton of things coming. Um, we, we, for example, we launched that new uh, market value game. Um, if you want to check that out, that's on the main page. You can... Uh, sort of test your knowledge of market values of different players that, and, and see if you actually, um, you know, how well you football knowledge. One of the things that we have launched, and of course we have all the news about transfers that are, that are happening and including rumors. And um, we cover also all sorts of things. And we had a great piece about the Korean league coming back because we, you know, we have a huge user community at Transfermarkt and one of the users are one of our data scouts 
in Korea put together a piece and we ran it in various languages. So that's also out uh, on the .us and the .com site. So if you want to check that out, because like, Korea is back too, right? We don't want to forget them. <laughs> and um, yeah, so yeah, give that a, definitely give that, a, give that a look and check it out. Awesome stuff, Emmanuel. Guys, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at State of Play Pod, uh, where we keep updated on what guests we're coming on, um, what content we're working on for future episodes, um, a little bit of banter, a little trolling, some good memes, some good videos, some good content there. You guys, uh, make sure you guys are you know keeping track of what we're doing uh, on that account. Listen, listen to us more on our previous episodes. We've had a great run throughout this entire COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, some great guests, so go check out our previous catalog for some earlier profiles. Make sure you guys are subscribing, leaving us positive reviews. And um, yeah, we, we really appreciate the support you guys have given us throughout this entire journey. So that wraps up the episode. See you next time.